0: Hello, and welcome to Sounding Out with Izzy, the podcast where we have conversations with musicians, music producers, publicists, live promoters, zine makers, journalists, and more about their experiences working in the music industry as women, non-binary, and queer people. I'm your host, Isabel Corp the founder of the queer femme music-based blog and YouTube channel, A Girls To Sound Sense. Today, I welcome the phenomenal dream pop artist, Lin Ying. This was a very fun chat because the two of us just honestly decided to be silly and use Zoom's effect house to put mouse ears and cat whiskers on our faces. We talk all about keyboard-shaped birthday cakes, first memories, Lin Ying's organic break in the biz, and learning to stop chasing permanence and go with the flow. And without further ado, let's get right into this episode. Wait, it's not gonna be video recorded, right? It's just audio. No, it's just audio. It's it's a podcast. I, I don't do the you know you know like you know what's so funny too is i work in social media marketing but when it comes to like my stuff like my hobbies like this podcast and stuff yeah. the last thing i'm jumping on board to do is promote it with like on like on TikTok or youtube shorts and stuff like that because it feels like i'm at work <laughs>
1: yeah no it makes sense but you know i kind of think that that's it's key to everything like if you're if it's like drawing blood from you to to do something then you kill the joy and the thing that made you start the work in the first place which is always true of like all creative disciplines right like you start it because like just because and you don't have an outcome in mind but but then when you start surviving on it and then you do things to make that goal like to like make sure you keep it going It's when you kind of ruin it and it becomes so unpleasant when you're being forced to do things like promo that that isn't fun for you and you know isn't inspiring and
0: that just that kills it all exactly yeah totally agree and so I'm excited to have you on here and I um heard the song take me to your house I absolutely adore it. I think it's a total vibe, and I also adore, just adore, like, Dream Pop and those really lush, vibey soundscapes. Mm -hmm. I read, like, I guess, like, I'm not sure if this came from you directly or if it was just written about you, but I read in your press release that Take Me to Your House is basically kind of you meditating on longing, hopefulness, and elusive connections i'm so sorry can you hear that horn i can't but it's a vibe (laughs) where are you right now i'm in chelsea i live in manhattan but i live right next to a hospital headquarters so there's ambulances just passing by all the time very
1: ominous
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) Anyway, yeah, like meditating on longing, hopefulness, and elusive connections. Would you say that's pretty true to the origin of the song and what you were sort of going for when you were writing it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think I really went in thinking that I wanted to write a song about this feeling specifically, but as it is with all my songs and how most songs start, it's always just I'm messing around in a room, sometimes with friends, in this case, cute (laughs) in this case it was with my friend Graeber and Connor and we were just playing around a guitar they were playing some chords and and yeah I think as we were just playing through the chords it something something in the way it felt reminded me of a feeling and I had to do a bit of like sifting through the library of emotions in my mind to find what that feeling was and and yeah, sometimes it takes a while, a bit of gibberish, a bit of random singing on top of it. And then I, I finally like, I lock it in and I'm like, oh, okay, this is what, this is what this, these melodies and like these sounds, like this is how it's connecting with me. And this is the, that specific feeling. So I think with that, with Take Me to Your House specifically, it's, I, I have this thought that like, you know, home is where the water doesn't taste weird. It's just one of those, why what, what I think is like a really sweet and subtle mark of when a place feels like home. And consequently, it's also, you know, when you go back to somewhere that used to be your home, that isn't your home anymore, and you drink the water there, and you're like, oh, it tastes strange. And then that's a shocking realization, too, because you're like, for a long time, <laughs> the water tasted just like home here. But yeah, I think it's, the song mostly is about, it's just about me feeling like, I I'm standing outside a door and I just can't be I just can't get through you know and and I think it's a metaphor for me being around an inaccessible person trying to love an inaccessible person always hoping to say you know can I can I choose the curtain colors can I put some furniture here like you know when when's your house going to be my house too and when can I call this place my own and, and yeah, so I think a lot of that song just navigates this constant fantasy of, you know, I think our luck is turning around and yeah, I think this might finally be it. I think I might finally get a key and I think I might finally get to keep it and call this place home. But of course, it's all imaginary and it really is just a plea. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And eventually the fantasy starts to turn into reality. Which, not meaning that the fantasy becomes reality but like you make that transition of like coming to that realization and I feel like the song does a really great job of traveling from that place to the next stage of like accepting where your home is.
1: Yeah, yeah. It makes me feel so melancholic. I always think of like driving through a highway <laughs> when I hear that song.
0: Driving through, yeah, driving down a highway is really like sad vibes. <laughs> like right. when you think about it.
1: When it's golden hour too, I don't know why. It's rarely ever a happy commute. It's so, it always feels so melancholic, like something's wrong and something's sad and sweet and fleeting.
0: yeah because you're going somewhere but you're also leaving somewhere yeah yeah i think
1: it's like it has to do with the sky being like i'm never gonna the sky's never gonna be the same twice and it's that kind of like ephemerality that you know makes you feel a little sad
0: yeah the sky's never gonna look like this again oh no (laughs) That oh, makes up. me uncomfortable, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. it's inevitable, right?
1: Yeah, it is. I know. It's like I don't know why we try so hard to chase permanence when we really have no control over that. But that's something I'm getting to, and I'm really enjoying it. I'm just trying to. It makes it easier to enjoy things, also,
0: when you know that they don't last. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So. How and why did you start making music of your own? I think I'd always
1: mess around on the piano as a child, and I'd come up with lines of my own. So it's probably a—it's just a habit. You have the same ringtone as my mom.
0: That just made me feel <laughs> very homesick. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> sending, <laughs> sending love to your mom. <laughs> i haven't heard that in a while wow that just like awakened something in me (laughs) that is absolutely not getting cut i uh, this is this is (laughs) gold. this is golden content right here (laughs) it is great (laughs) yeah speaking of her she so she
1: insists that she she insists that on my first birthday someone gave me a toy that was shaped like a birthday cake but had a keyboard on it and and that I started playing on it immediately I don't know I think she's exaggerating there's no way I was like one year old and like playing that so my earliest memory was walking through maybe just walking through the room seeing my brother trying to learn how to play piano and maybe going on it and messing around and then realizing that I was better. <laughs> um but yeah, I started making music on my own as a way to just process feelings, I think. Like as a child I would write lots of little poems about my pets and my family and you know when my hamster died, I would I wrote I wrote her a little eulogy and I think that synthesized with like my love for melodies and the piano kind of just came together a little bit in my later teens and that's when I started turning to songwriting as like a coping mechanism and now it's yeah it's it's now now it's expanded to a bunch of different things to me it's a form of relaxation but it's also sometimes like prophetic when I write I, my brain comes up with images and metaphors that I'm not really sure what they really mean until a bit later on. Sometimes it'll take me a month or two or when I'm actually more cognizant of my feelings. And I look back at a song that I wrote a long time ago and I'm like, oh, this this was foreshadowing that. So there's a part of me that knew that this was something I was feeling, but I just hadn't come to terms with it in my mind yet. And I think that's it's a form of meditation almost and a way of accessing yourself using you know, a framework that's outside of words and thoughts and rationality. Yeah. So I treasure it a lot, this process. I feel very lucky to have it accompany me.
0: That's awesome. And I definitely see where you're coming from. And I think a lot of people who enjoy music, regardless of if they make it or not feel the same way, because I think that there's nothing more euphoric than, for instance, last night i went to haunted hop which was basically just a (laughs) festival lineup of a bunch of local bands doing cover sets for halloween
1: and all dressed up was it haunted
0: it was very trippy for sure like there were there was like tulle fabric hanging with a bunch of like projected animations of like Uh, ghost nuns and bats all over it was really cool but yeah, I watched one a local band called Tilden here here in New York who are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Do an Oasis cover set. Whoa. And they did all the bits. They they did the thick Manchester accents and everything. <laughs> despite being a bunch of American boys and they had the wig and the glasses and they were committed to the bit. It was amazing yeah. and their delivery of all the really anthemic like songs in Oasis's catalog just made everyone who was watching like so hype like it felt like being at Glastonbury in 1995 wow. and watching oh, the actual what Oasis cool. and
1: Bats and Haunted nuns, which yeah. I guess is equally spooky as Glastonbury itself with all the mud and drugs <laughs> Exactly
0: I'll take <laughs> the I'll take the Bats and um, the <laughs> projected ghostly images over the drugs in the mud for sure <laughs> at least they call it what it is <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's exactly what it is yeah but i love how music can just instigate that kind of emotional response in people and i don't think any other art form has the power to do that i mean there's movies but there's such a hassle to get through like you have to sit down for three hours (gasps) like and yeah and And i think there's so much
1: more like there's so much more to the logistical end of making a movie there's there's so much you have to put in place in order for it to be an effective narrative medium Whereas what I really appreciate about music is that it's so immediate. You know, all you need is an instrument that makes a sound when you touch it. Sometimes that's your voice. I guess dance is similar. I don't connect with it as well. But, you know, with music, it's just you. It it enters your mind and it leaves your body so quickly and you're you're able to encapsulate that feeling and that instinct really well. And I just love how, how universal it is. And it's also because it's just so accessible.
0: Yeah, for sure. And it is like you said it is so much more like accessible in that way because i remember what like one of my favorite writers hilton Mm -hmm. owls tried um what was the question he wanted to ask prince like oh yeah he was he was talking to prince and asked prince like would you ever make another movie would you ever do another feature direct another feature Mm -hmm. film and prince was like no (laughs) because it's such a hassle yeah how so many meetings you have to get through there's so many things you have to assemble music I can write anytime I want. I can have That's a true. song out in five minutes Max and knowing Prince like I, like with the amount of material that he still has in his vault like mm-hmm. five like seven years after his death yeah. I believe it. I believe yeah. that he could whip up a song in like five seconds and, and go to one of his assistants at Paisley Park and ma- and then make some unreasonable demands like, oh, get me a camel. <laughs> and they're like, Prince, <laughs> we can't get you a camel. It's three in the morning, <laughs> Minnesota. <laughs> well, if anyone could get a camel at three in the morning, it would be Prince. But <laughs> Yeah. I love your story about the piano and, like, the the keyboard birthday. (laughs) What did, so when you started making music, like, and started coming up with your own melodies and Mm -hmm. leads and lyrics, what do you feel like? do you feel like you gravitated more naturally to just conjuring whatever you felt like out of thin air or do you feel like it was e- do you feel like studying what other musicians were doing was a helpful tool to help you learn
1: oh no you know what I actually I, I was I'm I'm so surprised by the wisdom I had at eighteen when I think about. time where I was deciding what to study in college I remember specifically thinking I don't want to study music because I don't want to corrupt what I have even though naturally I loved it so much like it would have made sense like thinking back now I'm surprised I I didn't choose that as a path because yeah you know you like something and there's a chance to study it and get better at it why not but I'm thankful that I had that kind of insight into myself I think studying music is probably the right move for for some people but for me as someone who might be prone to being to feeling feeling inadequate or like you know if there's a way to be better I I would want to be better it's I think it was the right thing for me not to do it to not show myself what what the specifics of the framework could look like and and then to, because to, to know what the right way of doing things is and then to unlearn it and deviate from it is so much harder than if you were to just not have that framework at all in your mind and just go with how you feel, right? So I think that young version of me made the right choice in not going there and, yeah, and allowing for music to be something that was an escape, an instinctive thing, uh, less bound by by rules. Yeah. I forgot yeah. your question.
0: <laughs> oh, you, you answered the question. <laughs> that was a, that was a great answer. I like that. <laughs> I like the idea of not having to feel like you're bound to a certain formula or, um, oh, yeah, right, a like modeling, artists modeling something that you're creating off of someone else or being influenced by that. I think that's a, that's a really cool way to create. Um, yeah but it's
1: definitely I mean it's inevitable I think you know what I I guess I naturally already do that enough you know I consume so much music from musicians that I love and of course you know you always want to be like them and it's hard not to be derivative but I think what every artist knows is that there's like every artist has like a, a a little inner compass or some kind of barometer to tell to tell themselves when they know they're purposefully copying something and when something is coming from within and of course we're all copiers to an extent we make music through the means we know how from from how we imitate and from what we consume but but there's a difference you know you can tell when the intention is I want to make a song so that I can sound like this person because I admire this person so much and I want to be that person which is a very different feeling from there's something in me that needs to come out and I'm going to do it in the only way I know how. And the only way I know how is informed by the way I see things. Right. And yeah, it's, it takes discipline and I think a level of self-knowledge that you constantly have to work towards to, to always choose the latter over the former. Hmm.
0: And I understand that you started out posting covers on YouTube as a teenager, (laughs) um what are some of your favorite songs that you had covered back then and what do you think having done that had taught you about i guess utilizing the internet as a very effective startup Mm. tool
1: yeah i think it really built confidence um I did this like there was a year I was obsessed with the French Revolution and I made the one woman lamest medley that ended up going on Huffington Post and I was like now I've unlisted the video and because I'm really
0: ashamed of it but
1: but it's cute I look back on it and I think I look at myself being extremely industrious and resourceful as a teen in school with limited access to instruments and friends who knew how to play music. But I think the biggest thing that posting covers online taught me was maybe that uh, the dedication and the practice it takes to record something in one take, that, yeah, because that was during a time where it wasn't as easy to edit into like Frankenstein a vocal comp or maybe i just didn't know that that technology existed but yeah it taught me a lot about performing and and i think you know when musicians talk about like putting in hundreds and hundreds of hours into their instrument i think that was what it was for me and the really interesting and magical thing that came from posting covers online is the kind of lack of geographical boundaries i remember when i was in university doing my exams, I had an email from these French producers who wrote me in extremely broken, clearly Google translated English. And they said, hi, we heard your song. We love your voice. Would you like to write on our dance track? And I'd never listened to dance music. It's just not the kind of thing that I consumed. And they were the kind of DJs who would post a video and titled it Leaked Daft Punk Song, <laughs> but it was their own music. And it was just, it looked a little bit suspicious, but it was entertaining to me. And I was just in a season of my life where I was just saying, okay, why not? It sounds interesting. Let's just do it. So I said yes. And I I wrote my first top line. I had to Google it and there was no information online to even know what the top line was, but I wrote that over a dance track and And then it got picked up by some big electronic label. And and I ended up working with these European DJs afterwards and ended up going on tour all across Germany. It's just snowballed into something that I did not expect. And I think that's what's magical about the Internet. And I'm really grateful for those experiences.
0: Yeah, I bet. That's pretty astounding that all that um, just like sitting at your computer and uploading videos of yourself could lead to something so trans is such a peak like um beginner like uh, just on the on-ramp when it comes to career achievements just like oh first thing I know I'm covering songs in my bedroom next thing I know oh I'm on tour in Germany. <laughs> How yeah. did this happen? Yeah, and I think looking back, it's it what it
1: reminds me of is not so much like thinking of it in in terms of achievement, but what can truly come of saying yes to things just because mm-hmm. and so that's something I try to practice because that's a thing that you tend to uh, gravitate towards naturally when you're young and as you start learning uh, how to protect yourself and you know navigating bad situations you tend to be a bit more cautious and try to tend towards predictability which is yeah you know tempting but but yeah I like to remind my that I use that as an example to remind myself of what can happen when you just do things for no outcome in mind and it's great
0: yeah that's very true and you have an upcoming project that you're calling yeah. it's called house mouse is mm-hmm. that the name yeah and i don't know if it's a bear or a mouse that the filter you're, uh, you that's currently you know, whoa like, i did but, not think of that but <laughs> lo- kind of looks like a it looks like it could be a mouse it could be a mouse look at that Syn- synchronicity like, wow yeah it's a
1: very hot word now (laughs) yes synchronicity I don't really know what it means but you know (laughs) that that's what it feels like
0: yeah so what does this project sort of represent to you personally yeah I
1: house mouse is just a funny term that my friends called me like, I, a few years ago, I, I lived with my two best friends and it was the time of our lives. We shared an apartment and I was... I would always be eating like a piece of cheese or like one and a half of a dumpling in a corner in the house. And yeah, they would walk past and be like, oh my gosh, you're such a mouse. You're like the house mouse. They would just say that. Like I'll be sitting in a corner nibbling on something. And I think... I know I'm definitely deeping it, but what that represents to me is a version of myself that knows exactly what I want, when I want it, the amount of which I want it, and, and I, I think it's it's a little it's a cute little mark of how intuitive I know I am, and I know that I'm capable of. You know, like, I, I grew up in a kind of household where <laughs> my family would you know we would like share we would share a cookie just because i don't know my parents are just like small eaters and nibblers and this just the the culture of the way we eat at home uh but you know it also meant that that we we always paid attention to what we wanted when we wanted it and that's something that my friends found very amusing all the time but i think yeah i think it's a nice little exercise in listening to yourself and and yeah, so when my friends called me that, I just like it was all a joke, and I never thought about it again until recently, after having moved to LA pretty, pretty recently, like six months ago. Making a big decision like that made me realize how important it is to tap into your intuition, and more often than not, you know what you need and what you need tends to be. You what you want tends to be what you need when you're in the place you're meant to be, you know? So yeah, so realizing that also played into the way the music was made because I, I made this record with three of my friends and it's been really nice because it's sort of like a, it's like playing in a band, which is an experience that I never got to have because I was such a bedroom type of artist and always did things on my own. So, So it was really cool to just, be in a room with a bunch of friends and just mess around and see where the music took us. And I think it's this sense of not really putting any limit on what the songs needed to sound like and just going along with the moment and seeing where it took us because there were some days where nothing came out and that was fine. We just never put any pressure on ourselves because we were having a good time anyway. And I think that that kind of flexibility made me really it really informed the music making process and yeah and I think not having rules just makes it easier to 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 move towards what you need you know like you don't need to have like a set number of cookies in one sitting you can just eat as much as you like or as little as you like and that's how it felt like with making the music you know and yeah for some reason one day I just remember that this cute little nickname that my friends gave me. And I thought, oh, you know what? I am a house mouse. I do know, I do have the ability to know what I need and what I want. And, you know, it only damages you to ignore it. Yeah, never, it's never wrong to pay attention to it and act in accordance with it. So, yeah.
0: For sure. Talk to me about some of your recent collaborators. I know you've worked with like members of Death Cab for Cutie and, and Toro Imwa. Like, what was it like to work with some of these veterans in the <laughs> industry? Yeah, for lack of a better term.
1: Yeah. Well, I lost my shit when I found out that Chris Walla wanted to do a session with me. I think it remains my biggest life achievement. <laughs> yeah, that was really fun. I think I had a really hard time trying to not come off like a fan when we got in the studio together. But, you know, like we were talking about how music is so universal. it's It really comes into play in moments like this. Like when you take away all the, the frills and the thrill of, you know, being around someone you really admire or someone that you want to impress and you get down to it and you start playing music and start hearing chords and coming up with ideas you feel connected through this thread that you share and in those moments achievements are so irrelevant and you know this is just something that's happening that's a manifestation of what's what it means to be alive and a human and to make things so that was really nice to do that with people that I really respect and Jordan who who played with Toro for 10 years, uh, but he doesn't anymore. He He's someone that I know through Chris as well. And we met at a writing camp in Melbourne and only stayed in touch through social media up until last year when... He reached out and said he really liked my last record and that we should work together sometime. And he said, "Oh, if you ever want to do a remote session." And I was like, "Oh, what about a non-remote session?" And I flew to LA and we just like made music for fun. And I think that's that's kind of how all this happened, you know. Like I said, saying yes to things without an outcome in mind and doing things just because and just for fun, it just leads to yeah, it leads to great things. So I ended up moving to LA to you know be around this amazing community of musicians. And yeah, that's how this this whole album came about so working with veterans can be very inspiring very exciting but you know also very fulfilling
0: yeah it sounds like it Mm -hmm. and i also noted that you also that you experimented with some very esoteric instruments on this project (laughs) What was it like acclimating to like using some of these tools that might not be accessed commonly?
1: Well, I was given no time to acclimatize at all. I just walked into... So there's a song Porcupine that's coming out tomorrow. It, it I just walked into the room one day and Graeber was like, okay, Lynn, you're playing the accordion. And I was like, I've never touched an accordion in my life. And he's like, no, no, you can do it. You're going to play it. And so I just did it and... <laughs> So that's that was fun. I think it's an it's a cool it's a cool thing to work out of a space that has all kinds of strange instruments at your disposal because like we were talking about, it's the immediacy of it, right? That makes things that makes it easy to put your instinct into into motion quickly. And so we were working in this shared studio that that's inhabited by a lot of other film composers. So yeah there are all sorts of really strange instruments in there. Yeah, so we just like walk into the live room and be like okay play a little on that and what about that? What about that? And yeah, it just felt really fun more than anything. I don't think any of us thought that they were that it was, you know, esoteric plus like it, it was never the intention but it's just that they were available and they were that's what was there and that's what we used and now it's it's like a nice
0: Encapsulation
1: of what being in the studio in that moment felt like.
0: Yeah, that's really fun. That's really, that sounds really cool too. Sort of like being tested like that and being like, okay, let's fuck around and find out and see how this goes. Yeah, exactly. Because you know what? There's so much like decision-making when it comes to
1: choosing an instrument, especially when you're used to doing it on your laptop. There's There's such a more like rigid process when it comes to, okay, what do I think I want this to sound like? What kind of sound do we want this to be? And you make all these choices as opposed to having an access to like just a limited physical realm to choose from. You're just like, okay, I'm, my my eyes, this is catching my eye, so I'm going to reach towards that, and I'm just going to try. But she makes the process a lot more fun, mm. less stressful.
0: Yeah. And also, what are some artists right now that have really captivated you? In a sense of like being the thing that you don't want to stop listening to that you could play over and over again
1: oh this artist Art Feynman I think he plays as Luke Temple as well but I've been obsessed with the, this song all I can do I just can't stop playing it like every time I'm on the way home I just keep looping it over and over and over again it's just something so so addictive about it. I think it's because it reminds me of Talking Heads and like this must be the place. And I think there's just there's only one there used to only be that one song that sounded like that song that would give me that feeling. And now there's two and now I just can't stop playing it. So I love that. And I've also been really obsessed with Dave Harrington's new record, The Pictures. I think it's so beautiful and so visual and it it, like it's something like I don't know, 27 songs and they all blend into one another and so even though i have my favorites i can never bring myself to just tap on the favorite one i just have to go from the very start and listen all the way through and i think that's such a beautiful
0: thing but not many records can do that so that was great that's really cool yeah, yeah. i really love discovering new things like that for sure because i don't know i feel like there's so much pressure to always do homework when it comes to listening to music, like I have to listen to everything new coming out, I have to listen to and study everything from the past, that all of these touchstone records that my nerdy friends reference all the time, like I have to be... Yeah, do you
1: feel pressure to like know a lot about music because you work in this field and because this is like your job? Oh yeah,
0: yeah. I I used to all the time too, because a lot of like... This one person who I used to be friends with in college uh, was like so on it all the time when it came to like uh, doing like deep to gog dives and stuff like that. And I was like, OK, I have to be just as good and I have to like race to keep up stressful. Um, and know as much. But honestly, like. I've really deviated from that now and just kind of accepted mm-hmm. not making music a chore and making a, and really connecting with something that you feel like you could play over and over again and you wouldn't get sick of it. Like that's where the magic is found.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's, like what you love about what you do is talking about something that you love, right? Not like knowing yeah. all the music in the world.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And obviously like not a all the music not all the music in the world is going to connect with every person in yeah. the world so yeah. yeah but i feel like it's definitely bi- it's definitely healthier to like mm. accept that you're never going to like it's it's like trying to know every piece of trivia in the entire world like yeah. it's never going to work it's never going to happen for you <laughs> like it's trying exactly. to make trying to make fetch happen <laughs> like and yeah and more importantly it's so
1: unenjoyable i you're already like we have the pleasure of being in fields that can bring us so much joy why are we ruining it as if it's working a dead-end desk job you know if I wanted to be miserable I could do a job that could make me miserable but it's so much worse to have access to a job that's beautiful and then to ruin it with your own need for
0: perfectionism yeah yeah don't 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 drive yourself down the path of hating music like that's I don't think that's what anyone wants (laughs)
1: But it's hard. It takes yeah. work to not hate something that you live off
0: of. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. But it's but it's it's really nice to know that you can find that balance. Yeah. For sure that it's possible. And if there's What's one, like, piece of music trivia or a certain touch point in music history that you wish you could be, like, a fly on the wall and you could experience the whole thing?
1: Ooh. Man, I don't know. Mozart and Salieri. Let's <laughs> 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 see what their animosity was like. Oh, there's so many. I, I don't know. I feel like that's probably not the... If i had more time to think about it i'd probably come up with a better answer but that's the one off the top of my head i'm really curious about that
0: what about one you would not want to be at mine would be woodstock 99 i I was just gonna say that (laughs) (laughs) yeah no (laughs) i interviewed a band one time and asked them what's like somewhere you like a point in history where you wish you could be a fly on the wall and one of the things one of the ones i said they would like to have been at was woodstock 99 and i was like red fucking flag wow <laughs> red flag yes. death wish yeah yeah that's that is sus but okay <laughs> i'll take your word for it if that's what yeah. you would like to do <laughs> yeah i mean you know what i would have loved to see karen carpenter play the drums that would have been really cool that would be really cool. Yeah. She was a phenomenal drummer too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That would have been great. Whitney Houston maybe recording I Have Nothing. <laughs> I would love to hear that in the vocal booth and see what that performance was like. Yeah, that would be really cool. For sure, and also to see Good Charlotte live, <laughs> which like I'll I'll never get to do because even if they all got together, because it's just you know like it's you gotta catch those bands when they're in their prime, and it'll never happen again. And no amount of emo nights can ever make up for it. You as much as I try to tell myself that they can. Um, uh, right. I wish I was like eleven years old at one of those concerts, <laughs> or watching a bunch of. <laughs>
0: yeah yeah good Charlotte I always forgot I always forget about them (laughs) I know they're not
1: that great it's like one of those bands you go back and listen to and you're like oh that's why they didn't like persist out of that genre you know or you're like
0: oh my god I liked this
1: (laughs) I know Uh, but it just postmarks such a funny time of my life that they'll always be special to me for that reason
0: (laughs) that's true yeah I and and that type of like I don't know like empty calories dessert kind of <laughs> style pop punk yeah it it goes hard like when you're in the mood it for does. it yeah there's a book that I've been that I've actually been wanting to read called Where Are Your Boys Tonight an oh. oral history of the commercial pop breakthrough of emo oh cool and. I absolutely I mean the title is great cuz I mean Fallout boy so yeah. that immediately pulled me in it's always good when you have like a grabbing title yeah. <laughs> yeah to close if you could give any advice to a young person here's here's my big gripe with like yeah. people giving advice like especially okay. mu- musicians giving advice because anytime they're asked what would you what advice would you give to a young person wanting to break into the industry their their advice is always don't their advice is always just just don't do it because because like uh, because and i get it i get where they're coming from like i get that it's hard out here and this industry is brutal like i know firsthand really is that what people say they just say don't do it because it's hard and brutal and yeah like like (laughs) I've listened to so many interviews with musicians and every time I I hear that answer, I'm like, okay, that is such a fucking cop out. Cause you, you know that there are kids out there who really want this and they're gonna, and they're gonna like go to the ends of the earth to make it happen for themselves, regardless of what advice you think will steer them away from a path that will inevitably be difficult. But like when it comes to, so I wanted to ask you what, what is the biggest advice that you would give to one of those kids who whose heart is really in it?
1: I'm still in shock about the don't because ultimately, like as an artist, you're still here giving the interviews. So you're still invested in this. Clearly, you're enjoying this enough that you, you still want to do it. So, mm-hmm. you know, what's so bad? Like, how can it possibly be so bad if you're still here? You know? Yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, well, I think... Anyone who wants to do it, their heart, like, yeah, of course their heart's in it. You know, we, we make music because it's fun, right? Like, we start off from this place of making it pointlessly. And I think that's that's how anyone makes anything that resonates. It's because there's no goal in mind. And it's just something that they do for fun. And a lot of the time, we end up using music as a vehicle to chase validation or excellence or perfection and to just basically solve all these human wounds that we all have right and i I was guilty of it too it being being able to make music my career gave me a sense of identity and like an ego boost that i always craved that maybe i didn't get from elsewhere in my life and i think that's just a natural part of the process that you kind of have to make your peace with like you're gonna you're gonna use this really pure wonderful thing the, the beauty of being able to make music and for music to accompany you throughout the rest of your life, you're going to use it for some like not great means, right? Um, yeah, you're going to use it to make yourself feel good about yourself or to like, you know, fuel your, your ego and pride. But at the end of the day, just really remembering how fun it is is going to take you back to what's really important about it I think like it's very easy to think of it as a chore because you know once you get something out of it once the music gives you something you you want to hold on to it because you're just like I don't want to let this go I have some success that I need to grow and I need to I need to be better and and you're yeah in doing so you're only going to erode this like this great thing about being alive and about being able to create you're only going to ruin it for yourself when you're gonna you know manipulate it to achieve some other means so yeah so a piece of advice I would give to a young musician trying to break into it is don't take it too seriously enjoy it it's so important to enjoy it because there's so much of life that's going to be hard and unenjoyable and miserable this does not have to be one of them
0: so enjoy it (laughs) beautiful perfect (laughs) That's a perfect note to end on. Well, thank you so much for Ooh. joining me again and for agreeing to come on. I'm very excited. Oh,
1: thank you for having me.
0: Yes, I'm very excited for the EP to be out and I hope you have an amazing rest Ooh. of your week. You too, thank you Izzy. Thank you so much for listening to Sounding Out with Izzy and thank you again to Lin Ying for joining me today. Remember to subscribe and sign up for the mailing list on my YouTube channel and written blog, both under the name A Girl's Two Sound Sense. Give the podcast a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening, and I will catch you in the next episode of Sounding Out with Izzy.